Hi everybody, uh, my name is Jeremy Slesser, I'm the Managing Director of European Golf Design and a GADA member. Uh, and I'm in conversation today with Phil Grice, who is the immediate past chairman of the GCMA and was general manager and director at Royal Norwich um, and was instrumental in their renovation and, and relocation program, which has taken place over the last 10 years. Uh, Phil, welcome. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Nice to speak to you. I want to start with a question as to whether I'm being pessimistic or optimistic. And, and by nature, I am an optimist. But it seems to me that over the last six, nine months, I have talked to so many people and read so many online, uh, online documents about how because um, participation in golf has increased over the summer, that golf is back. And it just seems to me that, that the problems that golf had before the pandemic are still there. So my, I guess my question to you is, is that optimism that I've been reading and hearing about well-placed or am I for once being a little pessimistic? Um, there's, a, there's a yes and no answer to, to that, Jeremy. Um, clearly, footfall, which is what everybody's talking about, has gone up. So footfall... Golf got a free lunch. It got absolutely got a free lunch because it got a head start on most of the things. Um, you had the ability to, to exercise, uh, which the, the, the various associations made happen, uh, and they sprung a step on, on most, of the, most of the sports. Footfall, though, doesn't always mean that, that golfers suddenly had a uh, a shot in the arm that, that, that's, that's going to fix it because many of the issues that were there previously are still going to be there. Uh, and in some instances, footfall for, uh, for the various, there's probably three, four different models um, and footfall for a, a pay and play golf course or someone who predominantly uh, makes their living through the green fee side of it. They, they've had a fantastic time. Because yes, the the more people that played, the the more money they took. Their yield went through the roof. What it did mean, though, is that uh, a lot of private members' clubs, and they will tell you that they took increased membership, um, but they ended up with more members playing more golf, and that did definitely at the at the daylight point when the daylight went back. That started to create everybody a real problem, because. Members who'd maybe played one and a half, two times a week were suddenly playing four times a week. So everybody said, this is great and we're struggling. But whether it transpired into more money and, and, uh, and more actual income at the end of the year, I'm, I'm not convinced. And the other side to it is, is golf. Golf has a few issues and, and uh, we won't mention the hoodie and things like that. But actually... Well, why not? The, the problem, the, well, well, I will, <laughs> I will maybe later, but the the issues that were there with golf were still going to be there, aren't they? So those that maybe come back to golf came back and thought, has it changed? Yes or no? I don't think it has. Um, people came back because they wanted exercise, they wanted to get out, and, and they had a bit of a love for it. When the when the doors open to everything else later down the line. Will we have learned anything? Will we have changed? Will we have taken any opportunities? I'm not so sure. But sure, but I mean, I'm interested in you saying that, that uh, for instance, on private members' clubs, 
even though they've sold more memberships, has that had an impact on the bottom line? I mean, surely if you've sold more memberships, that must have had a positive impact on the bottom line. I mean, you know, overall budgets may have gone down because we all know that F&B was, you know, effectively wasn't operating for most of the year. But if you, but if you mm-hmm. just look at pure income from members, surely it's been a bad thing to sell more memberships. No, uh, you're absolutely right, Jeremy. But if you use right now as, a, as the perfect example to it, when it happened last year, it happened uh, February into March into towards April um, that we were closed down. Anyone that was a January renewer, yeah. which is probably 50% of the country, had already yeah. paid their fee. They had nowhere else to go. They had nothing else to do. Yeah. So Royal Norwich is a really is a, is a cracking example of ours was April, uh, our May the first renewal. We we lost um, circa 17, 18% of our membership didn't renew. Right. Now we, we regained that and got ahead of it. But actually those that renew January the first this year, are they gonna renew? Are they gonna renew renew right now? So yes, everybody was telling you we took extra memberships because you know, nobody, not many of us, only a small percentage of the country were actually doing renewal. We could have said, yeah, we've, we've sold X amount of memberships. Nobody was telling you they'd already lost a certain amount to get there. And then the other part of the country or the other part of the, the clubs now are actually going through this January renewal. So only mm-hmm. now will they come out of January, maybe February. Um, and the other part to that, Jeremy, which which is is kind of nobody likes to talk about, is a lot of clubs, and I know because I spoke to people for me for advice, a lot of clubs were asking, should we be giving our members two or three months off? Should we be reducing their subs? Now, most of them found they didn't want to deal with the conflict. They got half a dozen to a dozen phone calls with people mourning, I'm paying for something I'm not getting. A lot of clubs took the decision to this year only charge them for maybe nine months of the year, only to maybe charge them for 10 months of the year to give them a two-month holiday. Uh, on, on their payment. So when it comes around to January now, they're, they're faced with a decision. I'm already, I'm only charging you for nine or 10 months for this year because I'm crediting you for the months you didn't get last year. What are they doing with January, February now? So are they going to hold firm with the same position and go, actually, well, we'll only charge you for seven months? That's great telling you membership numbers, but actually the bottom line, the cash flow impact of that come September this year if golf doesn't pick up, will be horrific. So, is that, it, is that the case? Uh, 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 not not necessarily across the board, but but with members clubs and proprietary clubs, because surely uh, the, surely the argument with a members club is look, we, you know, in effect, we are all shareholders. So if 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 we knock three months' revenue off, at some point we all have to find that that shortfall so what um, you know i mean it's just a false economy yeah, jeremy you're absolutely spot on and and trying to you there is uh i often talk rugby league and rugby union there's 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 they use the same ball but it's different codes you've got the proprietary world in golf and you've got the members world in golf yeah. the members club often the golfer doesn't know the difference in truth they don't really some of them certainly modern golfers don't really care 
But if you're a proprietary club, you will have taken the decision that I'm not providing a service or a facility and you will have stopped charging people, much like gyms have done, because there's a different mentality. But you're absolutely spot on when it comes to a members club. You can't be a shareholder when you want to make a decision and decide how much a cup of tea is going to cost and then decide to give yourself a discount because the government have closed golf courses for eight or 10 weeks. But absolutely, the, the, the clubs that spoke to me, one of them told me that they were fairly wealthy. They've got circa £150,000 in the bank. And when we ran through their numbers, I said, well, if you're going to give them two, possibly three months, and just remember you've got the end of the year to come, this virus is not going to be remedied it can't because it's going to be 12 months to to get a a a vaccine and just understand that there is a second part to this you are going to wipe off 25 percent of your bottom line income from membership so what is what do you bring in on membership it was call it six hundred thousand. well there you go you've you've wiped out next year you will be invoicing one hundred and fifty thousand less so so the the material savings you've got have gone yeah okay all right so uh, we've got all, all these new players or uh, or reactivated players, if you like, come, they've come back into the game and they've discovered the joys of, of golf over the last six, nine months. But, but a lot of them have already left the game once. So what, what has to change to keep them engaged once society starts to get back to normal and all of the other uh, demands on people's time start to start to ramp up. What what does what does what does proprietary clubs and or members clubs what do they need to do to to keep that engagement going? Um, can I just pull you back on one point on that? Is there is a that yes, there is definitely definitely people were reactivated. That, that's without a doubt. I'm just not convinced that clubs. Uh, did very much um, to 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 engage with new customers to to understand why they'd come back to understand why or you know not so much why they come back but why they weren't there in the first place. I suppose is probably better than than why they come back. You know those that joined golf clubs in the main joined. We were one of the clubs you couldn't actually get on unless you were a member. As a pri- most private members' yeah. clubs, they kept it. So, so people yeah. had to join. You know, yeah. so it's it, it's not quite as as everybody wants to to paint it. So, final question: what what is the single greatest opportunity that golf has right now? Um, I, I think. And, and it came out three years ago and it, it was missed um, and, and it's now coming round again, is the well-being and the health benefits of golf should be the only thing that we market golf on. I was lucky enough to go to, to Parliament with, when Martin Slumbers and the RNA launched the, the, the well-being and the health benefits of golf. And it kind of went under the radar. And actually, one of the things most people are talking about now when they want to reopen golf courses is the health benefits. They're actually saying that, you know, from, from the motor skills that, that, that older people keep retained, you know, from the strength and the balance, the core stuff, just getting the blood flowing and getting out there. 
you know, the, the communication with and the camaraderie with other people. It, it, right now, it, it's the furthest end of what every one of us have got every day. And actually getting out and just enjoying simple stuff like that is what they should be marketing on. And golf clubs shouldn't be clubs. They should be hubs. They should be community hubs where on a Friday night, everybody's going down and you can share a pizza. And yeah, them kids have been a bit loud over there, but do I really care? Because when I look back at lockdown, I'd give anything to be sitting here and looking at you know, the 18th green and having a beer with my buddies. And yeah. if them kids are being loud, I don't really care. You know, yeah. so it it's... Just draw down the barriers and, and, and point to all the positives for me. Fair enough. Phil, look, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for, your, thank you for all your insights. Um, and I will look forward to uh, listening and watching your next Ripple conversation. So thank you. Thank you ever so much, Jeremy. You keep well, my friend. <laughs>